0: As a father, what do you want to be known for? As a son, what do I want to be known for? As a spouse, what do I want to be known for? There's just three on the personal side. Let's pop over to the professional side. As a coach, as an author, as an entrepreneur. Oh, and then here's how we make it even easier. Why don't we give it a term limit over the next
1: 90 days? Welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn, and I'm stoked you've decided to join me on this journey to bring about a massive and positive change in the lives of others. Every week, you're going to join me behind closed doors, where I will introduce you to entrepreneurs, leaders, and innovators from a variety of industries to learn how their contributions are impacting the lives of others and how they are having a game-changing impact in the world. Thanks for investing your time with me today. Now, grace for impact. On this episode of the Impact Entrepreneur Show, I introduce you to Jason and Jody Womack. They met in the front row of history class in college when Jody asked to borrow Jason's notes. He said no. And that was the beginning of a beautiful relationship. Jason's no quickly turned into a yes however and 23 years later they're still editing each other's writing they've grown up together as they worked at the local small town high school where jason taught history and jody worked in the counseling department and now they've graduated to running their own international consulting firm the womack company where they help busy professionals be more productive through coaching, consulting, their Get Momentum Leadership Academy, and now their book, Get Momentum, How to Start When You're Stuck. Now here's a sample of what we cover. Why being stuck sucks and why we constantly find ourselves in this revolving door type of a pattern. Jason shares a story where he asked one of his clients, who had a dream promotion, a very important question about why he wasn't happy. And finally, we cover the five stages of momentum, what they are, and why they are important. Don't be a podcast junkie. Bust out your pen and paper. Take a lot of notes. Share this episode with your friends and family and colleagues. Embrace for impact. Jason and Jody Womack, welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. Super excited to have you guys here today. And as we were just talking, you guys are the first in a lot of ways. You're the first married couple that I'm interviewing. You're the first duo I'm interviewing in, in person, live and in person, at the Impact Entrepreneur Studios. Woohoo! And you are the first co-authors. I'm sure there's a bunch of other firsts also. I've actually never interviewed a triathlete, so you're the first triathlete,
0: I believe. Hula hooper. Jody loves the hula hoop, hula hooper. so uh, ideally, that'd be the first there. This is kind of cool, So, you know? and there might be some first-time listeners, might, There, there so, might be, hopefully. Uh, and by the way, if you know someone who should listen to this, please pass this podcast along to them.
1: Absolutely. I appreciate the plug. Absolutely. Always. Always. I'm really excited. Uh, Jody and I have been communicating... For, since the beginning of the, of the Impact Entrepreneur Show, about getting you guys on here. And actually, you and I communicated even before that when you were Jason. Uh, I gotta remember that uh, nobody else is here except for us, so I gotta, I gotta <laughs> well, It's hard to see who you're pointing, pointing at me. At, uh, I'm pointing so at you. <laughs> totally, he's talking to me, folks. Uh, but Jason and I were even talking before that when he was riding through town uh, with a crew of, of people. So, so, you know, this is meant to be. So, I'm, I'm super excited. I always kick off the show, the conversation with my guests, by asking, if you could pick any superpower, what would it be, and how would you use it? And Jody looks very excited to answer this question.
2: I am. I I said, I want this one. My superpower of choice would be mind reading. And the reason I choose that one is I feel like I waste so much time wondering, and I think for other people out there listening, it's a two part. Number one, if you just tell the truth to say what you want, you will save so much time. And this is something near and dear to my heart because that people pleasing uh, that got embedded in me at a very, very young age takes a lot to undo. And as an entrepreneur, it's really important you're clear on what you're here to do so that you don't get distracted, you Mm. can stay focused. And the second is is on this mind reading uh, concept, I wonder a lot what my customers want. And as soon as I get out of that wondering and just pick up the phone and ask or put together a poll on an email and send it out, as soon as I start asking for the information that I'm interested in, people tell me, I want more of this, I want less of that. I don't care at all about that. And this is what I love about you. It's like, wow, if I could just do what works and what people want, think of how much time we'd all save and effort.
1: Yeah, that's that's amazing. So in other words, you would like, to be able to read people's minds but the way that we can actually read people's minds today as entrepreneurs is by being proactive and number one just telling the truth. Yeah. And number two when you when you have a question don't be afraid to ask it. Exactly. and, and get that feedback. And Go
0: ahead, Jason. I was going to say, you know, Mike, everyone's looking for productivity hacks, time management hacks. How do I make a better list? How do I download a better list-making app for my phone? I've said it for years. I'll continue saying it. The best time management tactic I have is to tell the truth more. In a marriage, it works. As co-authors, it works. With our clients, it works. With our vendors, it works. Someone will send me a proposal for something that they're going to do for our firm. If I'll ask the stupid question, the obvious one to everyone in the room but me, It saves so much time. It gets us to that next level so quickly.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think that that's just a hurdle that uh, we're all afraid of sounding stupid. Yeah. Uh, But if if you're afraid of sounding stupid, that means that somebody else in the same room is also afraid of sounding stupid because they have the same question. So you might as well just pony up and ask the question. It
2: saves so much
1: time. And then you
2: don't wonder, like, is this really going to happen or how quick is this going to happen? Who's doing what on that line on the contract? Let's just get to it and claim it. And totally. people appreciate it. And a lot of times people, our clients will say, oh, I'm so glad you asked that. I wasn't sure either. Do you want to do it or do you want me to? And now all of a sudden we're telling the truth and we're saying what we want.
1: Boom. 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 You know, mentorship is something that you guys talk about in the book. It's impacted me deeply. But can you share a story where a mentor has impacted your outlook? And, and either one of you guys could take the question.
0: I mean, everyone's got one. I, I, you know, I challenge everyone listening to send your, send your example into Mike so he can be all inspired tomorrow morning. 1991, I'll date myself, 1991, I was about to join the, uh, army, uh, going airborne. Uh, I had one teacher ask me one question that literally changed the trajectory of my life. I went from joining, uh, army ranger, going to airborne school to becoming a high school teacher. And it was one question that Dr. Solberg asked and, and, and the thing, but it doesn't matter what the question was, but if you can find a mentor who will ask, who will prompt you in a way that doesn't have expectation, it doesn't have energy. Dr. Solberg didn't care what I answered. He just wanted me to have the thought that he was fairly certain I hadn't had yet. Hmm. And so when I think of mentors and Jody and I say it quite often to ourselves, um, you know, we grew up together. We met 23 years ago in college, literally in the front row of a history class. Um, sharing. She sharing
1: stealing your notes.
0: <laughs> she wanted my notes, and, and I said no. Uh, that's a different podcast story. <laughs> and, and and essentially, over that time, we've always gotten to this point of putting ourselves in the position to let people see greater than we could see ourselves. It's, it's, it's a question you gave us to prepare a little bit later. I'll allude to it right now. The purpose of a mentor to me, the purpose of a mentor is to have someone act as the visionary. She or he can see 5, 10, 15 months out of what I can't see. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about personal change. We have to talk about comfort zone, that idea that I will only see myself, right? I mean, if you walk up to a mirror, you're going to see yourself as you are. Uh, ever had an eyelash in your eye and you need to go to the mirror and kind of dig it out? It's like you're looking at you right then. A mentor can look at you and cheer. He can see you 15, 20, 30 months from now. And, uh, and there's value there. There's yeah. Huge value there. Absolutely. Do you remember
1: the question that the doctor asked you?
0: Absolutely. And, and if anybody wants to talk about that, give me an email. Okay. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. We'll include
1: your email in the show notes. Please. Um, so, you know, did you want to add anything to that, Jody?
2: I just called a mentor of mine two weeks ago because I was feeling stuck in mm. some of the things that I just couldn't see beyond in what I was working. And what I loved was, He got me up and out at such a higher level to look at the problem instead of like trying to be down here and fix it on, on the very tactical level. Mm -hmm. He just thought up and out. And I, if I had been given a week or a month or a year to think I wouldn't have gotten there. Mm -hmm. And so there's just something about that time saving and, you know, getting into a new mindset where somebody else can see a bigger vision They can see you outside of your day-to-day job. They see this vision of what you could be, all of your potential. I love to think of mentors as someone that I have a real relationship with. I've never had it work at at a job or in school where I got assigned someone Mm -hmm. to work with. Mm -hmm. You know, it was nice, and maybe it helps with the political landscape. But a real mentor cares about you, the person, and the vision, the big vision of you that they can see.
0: Yeah, that's powerful. Can I share a, a tactic I use yeah. along those ways? So Jody talked about vision and being able to see things. So the way I look at it is one hundred twenty-five or one. So if I take a hundred pennies, put them in a pile. If I take four quarters, put them in a pile. I take a one-dollar bill. I've got the same amount in each of the three piles. There are sometimes I need to look at all one hundred pieces of the problem. Sometimes I just need to bucket it into four quarters, and sometimes I just need to know what the problem is. Hmm. And so being able to address. You know, Jody and I, we co-wrote a book together. We started two businesses together. We we do pretty good at getting along together. Um, all these other things that we've got, sometimes I just need to know what's the $1 problem. Right. Other times I have to unpack it. What are the 100 pieces to this thing? Mm-hmm. And anytime I've sat down with a mentor and that person has been able to put the question on the table, I look at it through a different perspective. In your
1: experience, is it like how often are you do you think, start out thinking you need to go to the the 100 pennies, but then in reality, you're like, "Oh no. I really could just start with a dollar? Uh, often. Yes. I
2: think I get stuck in, like, peso mode. <laughs> like, I'm so minute in working in, like, the email, the font, the subject line. You know, like, I get lost in that because yeah. I can—that's something in my control, and I can just loop over and over. And a mentor will be like, well, what do you hope somebody does with this? Or, yeah. you know, like, we go for a walk yeah. or we have a different kind of conversation— and it's like that big breath of fresh air. It's like, oh, that's what I was yeah. looking for. It, that's what I need. It kind of reminds
1: me a little bit of uh, General Patton. You know, he he had a great quote, which is, "The enemy of the good is the perfect." And he said, "A good plan executed violently is better than a perfect plan never executed." Yeah. You know, and it, I mean, you get lost in the font and the design. You know, and then I Dan Sullivan. You guys know who Dan Sullivan is. Yeah. He talks about the eighty percent rule which is if it's 80% good enough, then we can roll with
2: it. And right? he puts out some pretty ugly stuff, and I still have listened to it or read it because the content's good. Yeah. The content's there. Yeah. So really, yeah. knowing what, what you're good at and giving great value, and people will forgive yeah. an ugly font once they, in a while. They will. They really
1: will. I forgive you.
2: Oh, thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm working on it.
2: <laughs> Before we
0: jump from mentors, Mike, can I add just a little bit more?
1: No. Yes, you
0: may. When a mentor gives me an assignment, 24 to 48 hours, I'm working on that thing. Yeah. If they mention a book, if they mention a video, if they mention a course.
2: If they, uh, they tell ready. you someone to meet that you should contact.
0: Uh, I've flown across the country. I've flown across the world for dinner um, based on someone's recommendation. Wow. What I never want to have happen is to sit down with a mentor, have them mention a book or a program or a thing, and then See them at the airport, See them along the way and through. Hey, did you read that book? Oh no, I didn't have time. It's like, well, wait a minute. Why would they ever sit down and recommend me again?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, listening very carefully. So um, all of my mentors, and I just made a list as we were talking here. I follow them on Twitter. I'm friends with them on Facebook. I'm connected with them on LinkedIn. If they've written a book, I pre-order it. If they're if they if they have a YouTube channel, I'm subscribed to it. Yeah. I need to know what they're looking at. What they're thinking about. So that when I sit down, um, I look, I know there's no stupid questions, um, but there are, uh, I don't want to ask someone something that if I just read their Twitter feed that morning, uh, I could have come up with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How do we move yeah. on from there?
1: That's, that's really valuable advice. And, and most people think about the most mentees think about the, that mentor mentee relationship from the me point of view, what's in it for me, as opposed to, you know, if a, if a mentor is going to give you a recommendation. They're communicating value. They expect for you to pay it forward and, and report back on, on what you've done, especially if they're introducing you to a valuable relationship because they're putting their credibility on the line. That's powerful. Yeah. You know, greatness is often born from a place of adversity. And uh, so, what was the impact moment or moments that launched you guys on this path? You know, the, the get momentum path, your program. It just, I I don't know the the full background, but I doubt that it just came like, oh, I'm going to do this. It probably came from from being in the same place.
2: So I'll start, and then Jason, I'll take it on. We met in the front row of history class. We then went on to work in education. Jason was a high school teacher. I worked in the counseling office. Uh, I then got a, a job in operations at a training firm and Jason worked there as well. And I I raised up to director of public events. And then one day my boss just canceled all the events, be, you know, because she could. And I realized I wasn't director of anything as long as I was an employee. I was I was allowed to do her wishes, but really that was the extent of my control. And it was devastating because I had really bought into my title and my position and I took great pride in what I did. And so that one piece of having something taken away that I thought was mine helped me transition out of that job. And after a while, Jason left as well. And that's when we started our own consulting firm because we figured Jason had 10 years of experience teaching and being up on stage and talking with clients. And I was doing everything in the home office from contracts and editing and websites and newsletters and just all the behind the scenes that make a public company Mm -hmm. run, a small company run. Mm -hmm. And it, I'm so grateful for it. You know, at the time it was devastating and it hurt my ego. It hurt my confidence. I just was crushed because I realized I had no control over what I thought was mine. And it was the greatest gift because I think I would still be an employee there because it wasn't terrible all the time, but it was it was always slightly declining in realizing that I would never have the kind of impact and contribution that I knew I was capable of Mm. doing. It's powerful. And when you own your own company, you have a lot of, a lot to contribute, a lot to create. So that was my story of like having to reach near that bottom of, of just sadness and despair. And like, what, who am I if I'm not that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, to re reinvent that and say, oh, I love helping people. I love live events. I love bringing people together who want to learn. That's really, really juicy and exciting and where I like to play. Absolutely. How about you, Jay?
1: Yeah.
0: um, Gosh, I'm just, you know, what makes someone do something different than what they're currently doing, right? So everyone listening, you might be in traffic, you might be at home, you might be on the treadmill, and there's something out there that's not going the way that you wish it would go bottom line. I mean, why would anyone change what they're currently doing? Um, Mine happens to be, I kept getting to the top and there was no more room. So I, as an educator, the year I got tenure, uh, I I looked around and I said, well, this is it. I I don't get to go anywhere more. I could have gotten a PhD and my pay would have gone up $500 a year. Uh, And I realized that wasn't really something to strive for. With the, the firm that both Jody and I worked for, globally known, uh, guy was very, very, very popular. Had very a, successful. Very successful. Great for us. To, we sat down guy. in what became my last year of working for him, and it turned out that I had done the most days. We, I got paid per day for, by him, and I had done the most days of any other staff member to which they said, uh, they said well, we can't pay you that much. And I was on a daily per diem. So if I worked 10 days, I got paid this much. If I worked 100 days, I got paid. Well, no one else touched how many days I worked. So not only did they get all upset that they had paid me so much, um, I said, well, is there any room for growth? Is there a director of the coaches? Is there a trainer of? And they said, no, no, just keep doing what you're doing. You'll be fine. And anybody who knows me, I don't do what I do and be fine. I'm going to go do something else. So becoming an entrepreneur and starting our own firm it gave me the fastest, easiest way to always have a next there to get to. Mm. As far as the Get Momentum Leadership Academy, that's our online version of our in-person coaching, we realized that there was a whole market for after we were one-on-one with someone, whether I was speaking from the stage, whether I was working with them as their coach, they needed a continual uh, refreshing of the content. Mm. And Get Momentum was born because the clients asked for it, bottom line. If you can get, this would be my comment to everybody listening, if you can get your clients to ask you for your next product before it's built, you are on to something. <laughs> and uh, the Get Momentum Academy was born because people asked for it. The book, the book, the book you read, Get Momentum. That wasn't an idea uh, more than 63 weeks ago. And literally, I got emails over a few months. Hey, Jason, when are you and Jody going to write a book based on your academy? It's like, hmm, I think we should write a book based on the academy.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. That's a great story. Well, let's move into the book. So for those who haven't read it yet, can you tell us a little bit about the premise of Get Momentum?
0: So for me, momentum is the feeling that you recognize after you've had it. In the book, Get Momentum, we teach you how to have it. Hmm. So it, it it sucks, right? You don't feel productive when you're in it. You feel productive when you had a good day. I don't feel fast in a race while I'm racing. It hurts, but I'll be very honest. As a triathlete, if I'm doing well in a race, in the race, it hurts. Afterwards, I look back, check my times, and go, wow, that was a good race. Then we reverse engineer, then we deconstruct. Uh, last race I, I entered down in Ventura just a couple weeks ago, I, I took second in my age group. And, and the, my friends and my colleagues and my race buddies, they're like, how do you do it? Right? I'm on the road 200 nights a year. I'm in front of audience 50 to 80 times per year. We're running these two academies. I'll tell you how I did it. The month before that race, I hired a coach for four swim lessons. Hmm. Four swim lessons. Each session was a half an hour long. But I can promise you, sitting where I'm sitting right now, that working with Rick, those four mini sessions put me in a better position in the water, put me in a better position on the bike, put me in a better better position on the run. So the book to me, if I were to say, what's the book about? It's about how you reverse engineer that feeling that you wish you had more momentum.
1: Hmm. And I like what you said, because I was thinking about the word momentum and my own experience with momentum, not just in the sense of business and, and productivity, but also like in exercise and movement. And like, like you said, you don't realize that you have momentum until you have it, you right. know? And then it, and then when you have momentum, things get progressively easier and quicker.
2: And people want to be a part of it. People yeah. show up, people contribute, people say, "Ho, oh, how can I be a part of that? Right. That's what's, I love that word momentum because it doesn't mean completion and done. So it's not, it's not the finish line. It is the race along the way. And that's what we're here for it's like we want to be doing what we love every yeah. day yeah. it seems like you've created that kind of a life you yeah. you the way you show up so how do we do more of that and surround ourselves with people who
1: do that and as you gain that like speaking from my own personal experience, we all fall off the track from time to time but once you understand momentum and how to get it, it's easier to get back up and to and to restart it again and, and as opposed to to giving up, have you guys experienced that with the clients that you work with?
0: You know, I'll give you, uh, we call it recovery time, Mike. So uh, Jody and I, you've all heard this, uh, together for 23 years, we just celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary. For the past 16 years, I've been on the road up to 200 nights per year. We have this thing called recovery time. The recovery time is when I come back from a trip that Jody wasn't on, how quickly can we get back to where I was the day I saw her coming down the aisle? How quickly can I get back there? When we are together and shift happens, something shows up or blows up, how quickly can I get back? Now, in full transparency, over the past two decades, we've had recovery time that lasted a long time. (laughs) Uh, My grandpa told me, he says, never go to bed angry with your spouse. We've had some late nights. (laughs) Over the years, we've been able to cut that down. We've had recovery time in the past couple of years of moments, moments, from that spark of something's wrong right now to... I'm back to where I want to be now. What do we do? Mm. And so when I think about momentum, and and it's different than something like be productive or get things done or check off the list. Momentum is I'm in it. I'm still in it. You know, as a as a dad, as a friend, as a spouse, as a buddy, as a as a as a whatever, when we're in it and we're in joy, we want that thing to last as long as possible. Right. When we're out of it and we're
1: not enjoying, we want to get through it as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The concept of recovery time—I mean, it's simple, but it's powerful—and I don't think that many people think about using that as a as a measurement. You know, they're not even like I would not even have been conscious of, you know, when I get off when I'm off my game, or you know, things are out of whack in a relationship or in the business. Getting back and and constantly shortening. That
0: You know, that we just watched a, a video of, of some teachers of mine, uh, Peter Diamandis from Singularity University, Joe Polish, Piranha Marketing, uh, Tony Robbins. You all know Tony Robbins. And Tony is such a fan of that, that state change. You know, how kind of, I change my state. Yeah. Uh, in my first book, Your Best Just Got Better, that I wrote with Wiley, I talk about this concept called at my best when. At my best when? So if I were to ask anybody, you know, when are you at your best? People are first gonna always gonna go temporal on me, right? I'm best in the morning, I'm best at night. Great, great, great. What are the conditions? Well, I'm, I'm at my best when I've had a great breakfast. I'm at my best when all of the paperwork has been filed on time. I'm at my best when whatever those conditions are. Now, all of a sudden, I put myself in a position of power. Will I do what it takes to put myself in a position to be at my best?
2: And how this works as a couple and as a team and with your coworkers is you ask them. First, you do your own. So you have an idea. And Jason mentioned a couple, you know, well, when you're well-fed, you're hydrated, you're rested, you're organized, you've reviewed your calendar, you feel like you have some semblance of what's going on in your life. Great. Now you ask your team, your spouse, your, your housemates, whoever you're sharing time and space with, when are you at your best? Mm-hmm. And it may seem cheesy, but you know what? We've had everybody in the, you know, clients from the military, clients from high tech companies, they do this, and especially engineers. They're very literal, uh, which I like. when If people could have soy milk in the coffee station, that'll make them show up on time and be happy and, and get right to work. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I can do that, right? Yeah. It, it's not about building a new wing of the, you know, office or something. It could be literally, can we meet each other's needs You know, I personally need silence when I write and when I'm working. If I'm reading contracts, I can't have people walking in and out of my office. I don't. So I get Bose headsets and I put them on. And if Jason walks in and sees me with those, he knows now's not the right time. You know, probably half an hour I'll be done with whatever this is. Great. So you have these communication tools so you know how to... Be at your own best yeah. and support the people yeah. on your team so that you get the most out of it.
1: So I think, I think it, it comes down to a, um, people are afraid to ask the question because there's a fear of failure, but they think they're 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 afraid of the of their question failing and not getting the result. But what they're really afraid of is actually feedback,
2: right? Or that people might ask for the moon. You know what? Right. No, they. People really—they just need some little. They
1: just need soy milk. <laughs>
2: just need soy milk. <laughs> for Jason, he's an athlete, right? He's—I call him like a puppy. You know, he needs to get out and play every day. And there are sometimes three, four, five o'clock in the evening. He hasn't gone for a run or done anything athletic. And I mean, I know you know this story. I came into your office one time with your bike helmet, and I just said, "Hi, I love you. Get out, you know, <laughs> go play." And we have the kind of lifestyle where we work into the evenings and all that kind of thing where it, it works for us. Yeah. So he can go for an hour bike ride, play hard, get, you know, some fresh air inside, and then come back strong, come back more focused and clear minded. Yeah. And and there are things you can do for the people in your life as well that'll really it's
1: I mean, I, I I'm I, I do CrossFit and let me just tell you that the last three weeks with my boo-boo gimpy, foot my gimpy gigantic Darth Vader boot. Uh has, you know, cramped my style, if you will. You know, so, um, you know, I love the, the first title of uh, or the first chapter, the title of the first chapter of the, the book, Being Stuck Sucks. Yeah. I mean, you can't, pretty, you can't really <laughs> say it any more clearly than that, and it does, but yet we constantly find ourselves getting in and out of this pattern. Why is that?
0: I say, so, uh, Jody's going to answer it, but I would celebrate the heck out of that. So I'll get, I'll come back to that. You know, I would celebrate the stuckness. There is so much information in there.
2: So Jason wrote the book. He's prolific. And the joke is that I deleted it. So we (laughs) would just go in and out of, you know, thousands of words. And then I would come in and it would get down to hundreds. Uh, Being stuck sucks. There's no pretty way to dress that up. It is hard. It is lonely. It is depressing when things aren't working Nobody wants to be part of that that show, right? like there's there's just no support yeah. there
0: we we do uh do you ever do that balance beam as a kid? I yeah. know not now at your it, foot, but it's um, and then percent. there was the teeter totter right yeah. Yeah. yeah sure we teeter totter all the time or we're always balanced, and, and Jody and I sometimes we have differing viewpoints on this of how much we disclose, of how hard it is. Hmm. It seems like the big guys and the big gals they can get on stage and they can tell how hard it was right. But do you really want to, Jody's question is always, do you really want to follow someone who's totally stuck? Another topic for another day. So the other side of the coin. So it's dark, it's depressing, it's hard. The other side of the coin, stuck means you're trying to do something that you've never done before. Mm. You are are entering a valley, and you don't know the terrain, and no one gave you a map, and you left your phone at home. Mm. Now what? Mm
2: -hmm. And that's the title of the book, Get Momentum. How to start when you're stuck, and people who are trying to do great things get stuck. People who are going home to watch TV on the couch every day and never creating anything yeah. extra—they don't get stuck. Yeah, that's easy. Or, or
1: maybe, maybe you're stuck, and there's this force that's pulling you and telling you that you're not that you're stuck, but you don't really have the clarity of mind yet to know what that is. Which kind of leads me into my next question, which is the story of your client Steve. You called him the book his alias, you know, which I, I, I loved the story. So for those of you who don't haven't read the book yet, he's in a big London office, I believe. Uh, he's some executive and he's just, no, he, he's in the U S he's just gotten the dream promotion, which involves him going to London and yet he's miserable. And then you ask him the question.
0: So, so here's the deal. Um, and when, when you wrote that question out and sent it to me an email, big smile on my face. The questions that I ask of everyone, been doing this for 16 years, they have one common denominator. And whether I word it one way or another, it comes back to what we were talking about a moment ago. When are you at your best? How will you be at your best? If you take this position, will that put you in a position to be at your best? Any version of that question that one can ask themselves. And so I've sat across from, from literally hundreds of people one-on-one, thousands of people where I've had people do this in audiences. And what winds up happening is people give themselves what I call the gift of their own attention, the gift of their own attention. Mm. What would happen if I truly let the hand that I'm holding the pen in write down what I want, the biggest, the baddest, the most amazing, the greatest dream of all, of, of all, and so when I sat down with someone like and yes we called him Steve but the example I did not edit at all and I've sat down with tens of people who've had that similar situation happens to be in finance happens to have to cross cross the pond as they say and they're always wondering how is this going to impact to use your word how is this going to impact positively the cash flow was going to be great the position was going to be great the power within the organization the political savviness that he was gaining and on the negative side, his kids were entering their teenage years. He and his wife had been dealing with his lifestyle for quite some time. And I would never, never in a million years invite anyone to consider changing what they're about to decide. Don't coach that way. I take the Dr. Solberg approach. I'm going to ask a question that gets someone to have a thought they'd never had before.
1: And it was a mind-boggling, crystallizing question for him. You gave that question— gave him the gift of being able to pause and ask for his own attention, give himself permission to have his own attention, as you said.
2: And if it were easy, you'd already have the answer. That's the thing, right? right? So how do we get out of the rut of our thinking and having a mentor or a coach help us get out of our track of mindset that we just keep going over and over and trying to find the different versions of that same story? Having someone yeah. like really lift us up and out and have a new conversation, that's where the power is. Yeah. Because trying to figure it out at the penny level, is it's just a lot of work. And I think that's where people get frustrated and overwhelmed and burnt out, all those, those bad words, right?
1: And the question that you asked him was, was, is this what you want to be remembered for? Or what do you want to be remembered for? Or, something along those lines. So let's say we have some listeners that, that are tuning in right now. And, and we ask them that question, well, is this what you want to be remembered for? And then they say, no. But they don't know exactly what it is that they want to be remembered for. What then?
0: Great prompt. I'm a huge fan of mind mapping. So what I do is I put a circle in the middle of a page. I write my name in there or whatever your code name is that you gave yourself. And when I think of the question, what do I want to be known for? For me, it's the motivation question. But not the California high school rah-rah pitch fest motivation. It's my motive for action. And what we've done is Jody and I have taken a look at that question, not from the point of view of someone like a Peter Drucker who talks about mission-based organizations, or a Stephen Covey, who talked about living your legacy. Those two guys handled the what you want to be remembered for, the epitaph on the on the on the gravestone. Mm-hmm. Jody and I look at it and we say, look it, as a father, what do you want to be known for? As a son, what do I want to be known for? As a spouse, what do I want to be known for? There's just three on the personal side.
1: Mm.
0: Let's pop over to the professional side. As a coach, as an author, as an entrepreneur. Oh, and then here's how we make it even easier. Why don't we give it a term limit? Over the next 90 days, based on what you want to be known for as a father, as a spouse, as an author, as a coach, well, shoot, 90 days from now, we've got that one big project coming. We've got that one big event that we're planning for. We've got that one thing happening at the community level. I want to be known as the guy who, or if someone else is listening to this, I want to be known as the gal who. And so I think what happens is people look at what we wrote and they, they get to that first question. And we did, we buried it in chapter three because we wanted people to get into our, we wanted to get them into our force field. But that question in chapter three, what do I want to be known for We don't want it to scare you. We want you to, I would say, give yourself the gift of your own attention and pick a role and pick a term. Mm -hmm. What I want to be known for as an athlete and what I – okay, let's do this. What I want to be known for as an athlete over the next 90 days, totally different from August until October. And what I want to be known for as an author – was totally different from last May until today. Mm-hmm. I only put one book out every three or four years. Yeah. That first 90 day push as an author, I want to be known for. And then it changes and then it changes. So it's ever changing.
1: I think that's really powerful because it makes the process of figuring out what you want to be known for actually action- actionable as opposed to like this big, like daunting.
2: Right, we're not etching it in stone. You don't have to be this forever, right? So right. we know there's many different aspects to you and your personality and your professional life and your personal life and athletic life and all those good things. So you get to pick and choose and say, this is flexible yeah. for this time period in this role. This is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. This, is, this would be A plus level, would make me so happy, gold stars, yeah. right? And I, I love it. I love one of
1: the things that you guys did in your book is that you give people an exercise to follow. And so that just so that they're not like a book junkie and they just read this inspirational content and then move on. And you actually have stuff that they can actually use and execute and and put into practice.
2: That's a huge compliment. Thank you. Because that's our hope and goal is that people actually do something with it. We don't want it to just sit on the shelf and be something that you bought and was inspired or got momentum for a moment and then moved away. Mm -hmm. This is something that's, That you can return to in a couple months or next year and revise and update.
1: Yeah. During your recovery time, you can check in. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group, a full service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the Impact Entrepreneur told you to call. You know, the book unfolds into five cha- five stages. major stages of momentum. And so what are they and why are they important?
0: So each one starts with an M just to keep with that theme of momentum. We have motivation, then we have mentors, we have milestones, we have monitor, and then we have modify. That was really fast, and, you know, I'm glad I could do it since I wrote the book. What well, we, what well, we, uh, I guess I should first start by telling you that we started off with 12.
2: <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to tell him that part. And I looked at Jason's like,
0: I can't do it.
2: I can't remember. I don't have 12 fingers. I can't make a mnemonic that's going to help and, me
0: with that. And the, and the stages came. And again, you know, relative to everyone listening to, to, to this today, or, or if you're listening to this in two parts, it all came from working eye to eye, knee to knee with my clients. Uh, I'd been using the stages of momentum for years. And I'm looking in your office, you've got post-its with some pretty cool art on them. Uh, but but I would use post-its with folks. And in a conversation, I would happen to start writing things down, like, what is your motive for action? And then we'd have a conversation about that. And then I would write down something like, well, who are your mentors? And then and then what milestones do you have? And there were other M's along the way. And as Jody and I started writing this and I started pushing on it out to the clients, realized it wasn't a staircase as much as it was a circle, mm. Because literally, I can jump in at almost any one of the stages. Uh, Let's just fast forward, monitor. What we talk about in the book is we want you to monitor. We want you to acknowledge what's working along the way, along the day. And it goes through behavioral psychology. Both Jody and I have studied psychology. we got master's degrees in that a long time ago. I studied self-talk, and I studied the impact of self-talk on performance. What happens when we talk negatively to ourselves? What happens when we talk positively to ourselves? But I wanted to take a look at it, not just positive thinking. So the way that we did it, Mike, is we started looking at positive recognition. What did I do today that moved the dial forward? Uh, In our membership, we we generally have between 150 and 300 members and get momentum at any time. Jody and I talk to every member every month. I'm sorry, we call every member every month. I leave a lot of voicemails. Now, here's the thing. I, w- I love that reach out to them. Uh, we consider Get Momentum the gym membership you wish you had, <laughs> right? So for those of you listening, who's ever, uh, you know, you didn't go to your gym for a couple of weeks. Maybe you missed a month. Wouldn't it be neat if your trainer called? I said, Mike, dude, I know, you're, I know your boot's on your foot, but come on. We're going to bring you in. We're going to do an upper body thing. If you got that call, you might go the next morning.
2: The whole idea of catching people doing something right is so bizarre and unusual and unique, if you tried that for a couple days, you might just revolutionize what's going on in your office. Mm. Because since school in the red pen, we've been taught to find what's wrong. What word is spelled wrong? Where's the error? What's the wrong answer? So that's embedded in us from a very, very young age. To That's what the teacher does, right? So if you're the boss, if you're the business owner, if you're the entre- head entrepreneur— You've probably been trained to find who's not keeping up or what department isn't, you know, performing. Mm-hmm. If you try this for a week, we talk a lot about five-day experiments. Try something for five days, see if it works, right? Mm-hmm. That's our that's our hope for you. Uh, try catching people doing things right. Everything from washing their cup in the kitchen and putting that in the right space. Maybe that creates the momentum that more people take care of the kitchen the way we all agree the kitchen should be cared for, right? right? All the way to performance reviews, budgetings, you know, submitting paperwork on time. Like, oh my gosh, what if we started this revolution in our own workspaces based on not, like Jason was saying, not positive thinking. Like, oh, you can do it. Yay. But like, wow, my great job in getting that turned in a day early. That really helped everybody else downstream have a little bit extra time with that. It's like, what if that's how we empowered people by catching them doing something right?
1: It's just a little and it's not it's not unique i think i think that it's just a little shift right every 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 major change that that every major possible change can occur by just making a little shift and so shifting your thought just from self talk to positive recognition or instead of positive th- thoughts but positive recognition that's just a little change little. But it can have a massive impact. I've you never can, thought about that before.
2: Yeah, you don't have to have a budget for it. It's easy. You can do You can do it at home. You can do it at work. People are starved for wins. Yeah. They are starved. You know, they yeah. we, we joke around like, have you ever written anything down on your to-do list that you've already done so you can check it off? Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. That's a way to win. Like, yeah. ooh, look at me yeah. go. Boom. Yeah. One more thing I've done. So if we could acknowledge people, in our world that make huge contributions regardless of where they are in your company
1: yeah that's powerful if
2: everybody were, were stepping up to get recognized
1: so if- maybe maybe take the the other stages and and do a little blurb on them Okay. Uh, Be quick because
0: motivation we've handled, right? What do I want to be known for? And again, we're not asking for legacy. We don't want the dash on the gravestone. What we're looking at is by role and in term. So why don't you write down four or five roles? Why don't you write down 90, 180 days and let yourself write down the projects and how you want to be known as handling those. Uh, Mentors. We've talked a lot about mentors. Uh, I've got two kinds of mentors. Mentors I know, mentors I don't know. I'll learn from anybody I can. I just spent about an hour last night with the Wright brothers. I read uh, McCullough's book um, that he just published on Orville and Wilbur uh, Wright, taking a look at what they had to go through. Uh, What I actually do, Mike, is I uh, I pick someone from history a month. And I dive in for that month, watch their videos, read their books, we'll look at their Wikipedia page. Um, Bruce Lee's Wikipedia page changes like every three weeks. Like someone adds something in there. It's totally cool. Uh, but what happens is I dive in and I and I hang out with that person. I remember one month I studied Mary Kay Ash. Uh, oh, Mary wow. Kay. Yeah. And just realizing how hard she had had it and how tough she had fought. And you think about Mary Kay as international organization, but who was she? So there's mentors that I don't know. And then there's the mentors that I do. And I'm one that will learn anything from anyone. I love learning through people's negative experiences. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jody and I remodeled our house a while back. So I took a few buddies of mine out to lunch who'd failed at their remodels. (laughs) Uh, one guy had to fire a contractor halfway through. One guy, um, his contractor told him that he pulled permits. He didn't pull permits. Uh, one guy overspent by a lot of money. Anyway, I took these guys out to lunch, and I just made the list. I made the list. <laughs> I remember the bill came, and I grabbed the bill. And they're like, oh, let's split it. I said, you can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll learn from anybody. Yeah. So, so put me in a position. Uh, milestones. We haven't talked about milestones. We like to take everything that we're working on, and we batch it into 90-day chunks. So 90 days from now, and it could be a one-year-long project, right? The day that we signed the book proposal, the book contract with Wiley, uh, from the day we signed the contract to the day that it was on the bookshelves in Barnes & Noble, it was 51 weeks. The first day we signed that contract, I had 90 days. 90 days from now, didn't matter that it was going to be a year. 90 days from now, here's where I need to be. 60 days, here's where I need to be. 30 days, here's where I need to be. Because if I didn't hit the 30, there was no way I was going to reach the 60. And if I didn't hit the 60, 90. So I love looking at things in terms of 90-day blocks.
2: That's a really important piece because people get overwhelmed with big long-term projects. Right. And you know, the idea of a book deal, that's, that's a biggie, right? And it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to be a whole year. But if you don't start breaking it down into time frame and deliverables... And we like three months because that's that's really long term, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, when you come down yeah. to it of like what I can actually remember and make progress on and still be doing everything else in my life. So in Get Momentum, we do a lot about taking out the overwhelm and just letting people do a deep dive and focus in on something that they can actually complete because Completing builds momentum. And again, it goes back to that feeling of like you get a little hit of adrenaline. You get all the happy hormones that like make you want to do more and keep going. So, you know, building in those little steps of success is really helpful. So taking big projects, breaking them down, delegating what you can. That's also really fun to do. Yes, I love delegating. Yes. (laughs) And we we all need to be better delegators Uh, and making things smaller and doable and more and more clear. If you can explain it to your kid and your kid will understand it, you're you're at a good space. But Oof. if if you're still using a lot of fancy words, probably can be more simple.
1: That's powerful. So we got we got motivation, mentors, mentors milestones.
2: The milestones lead us
0: to monitoring. Monitoring, yes. I know what to look for if I have clear milestones, right. and I do. I take a very behavioral psychologist scientific approach to monitoring. What, ne- what is noticed is repeated. What is negatively noticed is repeated. Ask any parents in here. The more you ride your kids about not cleaning their room and not taking out the trash and not doing their homework, guess what? The more You're training
1: go- them <laughs> to do those things. We were just talking about this the other day, about the, how we need to talk about their character as opposed to what they're doing wrong or right. I mean, you're in the valley, right?
0: You're across the hill from the valley. Uh, but just over the hill at Stanford, Carol Dweck wrote that book called mindset talking about how do people look at the world? And when we acknowledge someone for what they did and accomplished, when we acknowledge someone for the effort that they put in and the journey they were on, you create two different peoples. Mm -hmm. Uh, Talk a lot more about that in a subsequent uh, show if you want, um, The fifth M then is modify. Uh, By the dictionary definition, love dictionaries, look at them all the time. A dictionary definition of modify is to make a small change. Mm. And Jody and I are huge fans of small things done incrementally and uh, repeated. Mm. So instead of taking a look at what's the big change, and that would be kind of the Tony Robbins approach, right? How do I change my life real very quickly? Uh, Tony's handled that. So Jason and Jody show— What small change can we make? And we got three of them. Do we have time for me to go through these three? So there's three changes that I can make as as far as taking a look at how I'm going to gain or regain momentum. It's automate, delegate, eliminate. And what I do is I look across my calendar. I look at my to-do list. I might even process the discussions that I've had, the discussions I've had with my team, the discussions that I've had with Jody. And I might look over past week and go, well, what can we automate? What can I just put on automatic that just happens? So a couple of examples, Jody started including, uh, what's that paperwork you include in the contract now?
2: Our W-9 form. because Every every,
0: client needs the W-9. Before
2: they can cut a check. They can sign a contract without it, but they cannot send you payment without it. Mm
0: -hmm. So uh, automate, um, you know, here's a silly one. I spent a year uh, studying how often I bought what supplies for the house. (laughs) and i know it's crazy uh we we live 30 35 miles from trader joe's and target and all those big shopping centers so for us to go to the store was a big deal so over a year we'd come back from a weekend of shopping and as we put away all the stuff in the closet and the pantry in the fridge i'd write down by shopping trip by store what we bought the next year i just put it all on automatic delivery so every month I get my bars delivered, the little uh, travel, you know, protein bars. Uh, every quarter I get a bunch of Ziploc bags. Every six months we get the cleaning supplies. Uh, every March, it's like Christmas and spring, I get my entire race kit for the year, <laughs> right? So I don't need to think about those things. Yeah. Uh, delegate for for us, you know, Joey, you've got the example of, of delegating bank deposits. That was a good one.
2: Like he said, we are in a really small town and to go to the bank, it's a trip. It's, you know, a ha- couple hours, you know, by the time I get there and then I'm going to go to the market or do other errands. And so I was saying, what else can I get rid of? And so this whole thing of delegating to the apps and being able to oh, take yeah. a picture of a check to deposit it. Mm-hmm. I do maybe one trip now a month instead of two, three trips a week. And it just made, you know, all those little times yeah. add up. And I realize I can bunch any errands, any other errands I have. Uh, someday they'll figure out how to do dry cleaning on a nap. But, you know, until then, until the small, that comes to small towns, uh, it's been really great to see where do I spend time that isn't hugely valuable, value added time. On right. errands and little bitty to do's, that's not the best use it, of me.
1: It reminds me of uh, something a previous guest said, which is, you're, you're creating enough space so that you can say no to good things, so you can reserve the capacity to say yes to great things. Yes. And that brings me to the third one. So we have
0: automate, we have delegate, we have eliminate, and I will be very transparent, eliminate is probably the one that cost me the most in terms of cash. Mm. So up until about two years ago, I was in charge of the WordPress site, the plugin installations, the updates on the programs, And I said, Jody, I said, I can't do it. I can't be spending hours on the weekends reading up on WordPress blogs. We went to WordPress camp one year. No reason on this green earth that I should be learning code of of behind. So we hired a team. We hired a, a development team based here in the Silicon Valley. And I eliminated what turned out to be, right now we have them 160 hours a month like 160 hours a month. And that's with them knowing what they're doing. I can't even imagine. That'd probably be 400 hours for me of getting that done. Does it cost me? me? Yes. And that is a check I love writing every two weeks yeah. because all of those things that I don't need to spend any time worrying about thinking about, they get handled.
2: Yeah, And that's really a big dilemma for small business and entrepreneurs is the problem is you're good enough and you can probably do it. You can do your data entry into QuickBooks. You can do the WordPress or the website updates. And that's the problem is we, we start off doing it because we're bootstrapping and, you know, we're savvy. We're like, we're going to do the graphic design and the content writing and the contracts and everything. And then you realize you're not doing other things that only you can be doing, like calling clients. Right. Which you can't outsource. Can't you can't. You, you're well, the best person at that. I mean,
0: why don't we use one of the words that's popular, right? Hustle. Yeah. Right. That's a big, big word out there, hustle. Yeah, it is. It is. So here's a little Benjamin Franklin for you. On the top of a piece of paper, write, to write the word hustle and then do a little line down the middle on the left hand side. What do you want have to have hustled? And what do you want to hustle? All right. I want to have my website hustled. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do it. Uh, we produce every month and get momentum uh, the coursework. It's a PDF that we actually print and send out to all our clients. I want to hustle doing the research and the writing and the development. I want to get the content. I want to have that designed in a way that looks like a workbook that's something that Harvard or Stanford would produce. I will never pull up, what's that thing, InDesign that they use? Yeah. Some apps. I don't even know. And it looks beautiful. Yeah. So I want the co- I want the product to have been hustled, but I don't want to have to have done it. Yes. So those that
1: are the ways that I play sense. with things. No, that, that's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, as we, as we begin to wrap up our conversation today, you know, typically I ask the question at the end of the interview, which is how will you measure your life? Uh, but I'm going to switch it for, just for you guys. Um, and the question is, what do you want to be remembered for?
0: Nice. So mine has been always the same. It was he reminded us it wasn't about time. Hmm. If time is the problem, you're never going to get out of it. If you're going to get to the end of the day and say you didn't have time for something, if you're going to get to the end of the project and say, I wish I would have had more time, you'll never get out of it. Uh, the, the two things that it is about that I found is energy and focus. And the reverse engineer here is if I focus on something different, I'll get more energy. I'll use my time better. If I focus on something negative, I'll have less energy. I'll use my time worse. So if there's one thing that I would love to be remembered for, if I would be known for as the big umbrella, Jason helped us focus on better things. Hmm. I love it.
2: Nice. Mine is I want to be remembered as someone who helps people be the best version of themselves.
1: I can't get any more clear than that.
2: That's what it is. And you may not be designed to be reading WordPress blog for updates or figuring out the design. Your job is something... Yeah. More unique and, and uh how do we be the most the best version of ourselves? That's the big question.
1: That both of those combined make an awesome superpower.
2: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so before we before we close and, and direct people on how they can get the book and where they can interact with you guys, when you hear the phrase impact entrepreneur, who are some other people that come to mind?
2: I'll share my uh, mentor. His name is Rajesh Seti. And we'll give you the spelling of that. He's magnificent. Is, he,
1: is that Mine Valley, or, or no, no, no? different region? Oh, okay,
2: different region. Uh, he's. I've just realized he's hysterical. I found uh, one of his YouTube videos for a promo for one of his books. I think he's up near twenty books that mm-hmm. he's written.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh serial entrepreneur. He's in a the serial valley.
2: entrepreneur, and and the insight that I took from him was uh, he told me he never wants to be the number one in the organization because when you're number 1 it's your baby it's your job to keep that one thing going he he likes being the number 2 guy and being involved in a lot of them mm. and so he always has a new startup that he's he's helping generate and he's just brilliant at at building the win-win wins is what he tells me and so he loves partnering he loves getting out of the the pennies kind of thinking into the dollars and the hundred dollars. You know, mm-hmm. he really is a grand global thinker. And so you can Google him. You can check him out on, on line. He's really uh, insightful. Uh, Twitter is
0: R-A-J Raj Setty, S-E-T-T-Y. And uh, tell him the Womax said
1: hello. <laughs> okay. But he's
2: hello. one of those people that will have an impact on millions, if not Tens or hundreds of Ooh, millions wow. of people. That's that's what I say. Like impact, yeah. global impact. That's cool. It's powerful.
0: Uh, we know another guy here in the valley, uh, Ravi Gundlapalani and he started a firm, a little company here called Mentor Cloud. Hmm. He was a supply chain guy at Boeing. Uh, he worked on the Dreamliner, in fact, up in Seattle. And as a senior manager of supply chain, he was sourcing materials literally from all over the world and bringing them up to Seattle to build this big airplane. And he said he had a dream one night. He said, what if I could supply chain the resources of a human brain? What if I could connect? (laughs) Right,
2: just a little little dream. He said, what
0: what if I could supply chain that I could bring people from all over the world to a person who needs all of their information at the just-in-time delivery that Boeing had to manage. And that took him on this journey. Uh, He's one of the most unassuming, downplay, his amazingness kind of guy. But when you listen to him speak and jump over to any one of the socials, he's there. What he takes a look at, he says, look, we're we're smarter together. We're better together. Uh, There's someone out there who has already solved the problem that I haven't even thought of yet. Wow,
1: that's awesome!
2: They're they're both such contributors, yeah. And they tend to attract other people that want to contribute and play. And I think that's why we're so drawn to them. Is they're humble, they're smart, and they have big dreams.
1: Hmm. Hmm. That's powerful. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna look both those guys up because I mean they sound super fascinating,
2: and they'd both be great on your show. Yeah, awesome,
1: cool. Uh, How can my listeners connect with you? Get the book. ride their bikes with you. Absolutely. So
0: uh, we do. We, it's was, it was funny. Um, I do ride the bikes. Uh, I put together a trip from Northern California to Southern California next April uh, is our next trip. Um, you're all look, invited. Ju- yeah, you're all invited. Uh, so jump over to getmomentum.com. Join us for, for a month or a year. It'd be totally awesome to have you. We figure this is the education that we wished we would have had. People ask us all the time, like, what's the, what's the best kind of a person to be a Get Momentum member? Uh, I just say they're a lifelong learner. Yeah. They're a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. And then as far as the book, you can get the book there too, getmomentum.com. And we'd love for you to get a copy. If you email Jody, we'll get you a signed copy. I'd uh, love to have that go out into the world. And then we do things uh, here in the Silicon Valley. There's my favorite bicycle company. They're going to bring together a few guys. We're going to have a coffee uh, next morning, a little coffee chat. Oh, that's well. um, so if you ever want to do that, let us know.
2: And that's coffeewithwomack.com. Oh, neat. We do that all over the world as we travel and visit clients and go on our own vacations and things like that. We love meeting people from the community. So oh, yeah,
1: you're welcome to check that that's out. That's very neat, that's
0: very neat. The coffee with Womack.com idea came because both Jordan and I travel a lot. And then as we travel, people would say, hey, can we get together? Can we meet for lunch? Can we meet for dinner? And instead of trying to go all over the cities that we were visiting, we said, hey, y'all, we're gonna, on our way to work, we're gonna get a latte. Who'd like to come in and, and hang out with us for a little bit? And so there's been some cool stories, um, more than 23 countries, 40 states here in America that we've done a coffee chat or some other workshop in. So,
1: Well, I wanna congratulate you both on not only the business that you continue to build successfully, but on the successful launch of your book and on the lives that you're impacting and, and having a tremendous um, uh, impact in. Some of them you may not ever see that the end of the road, but you have the satisfaction now knowing that you made a difference. And that's really powerful. So thank you both for being a guest on the Impact Entrepreneur Show, for being a bunch of first of everything. And uh, we look forward to staying in touch with you guys. Thank you so much much for being here. Thank you again, Jason and Jody, for joining us on the Impact Entrepreneur Show today. It was a pleasure having you. I hope all of you Impact Insiders took a lot of notes and got a lot of value from the conversation that we just heard with Jason and Jody. They shared a lot of information, and if you weren't able to take notes or you forgot something, don't worry. Head over to www.theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash 21 for a complete set of show notes with all of the important links and bullet points that we covered in today's episode. I want to impact more listeners like you. And one of the most important ways you can help me do that is by heading over to iTunes and rating and writing a review of the show. This would be super helpful because it bumps us up in the charts and exposes us to more listeners. So thank you very much for doing that. Last and certainly not least, I want to say thank you to Cody and his team at podcastmasters.net for all the hard work and labor they do to help me make a great show. Now go make an impact in the lives of others. Have a great day.